going to let you get my time, man. I'm going to go ahead and bring before. Brent is the leader of Fourth and Gold Ministries. A guy who was him to orchestrate a lot of things, bring visions to the group. And uh, tonight, he's going to lead the devotional. So whatever God laid on his heart, uh, he's going to give that, man. So so like I say, if y'all just bear with us, lay back, man, take notes. Uh, at the end, if you got anything to say, you can speak on it. You know, just see, tell what God did to you. But he speaks to us, man. So B, man, with no further ado, man, we're going to bring forth our leader, fourth and gold, BJ, Brent Johnson. Uh, hey, man, that's all right, man. <clears throat> Thank you for that, brother. Um, Listen, man, I... You know, familiar faces, man. It's good to have everybody on, man. Like like T says a lot, man. We're gonna jump in and jump out. You know, we're gonna respect everybody's time, man. So really appreciate y'all jumping on. Um, we're trying to open it up more to guests as much as we can. You know, we've been doing it almost two years uh and haven't yeah. missed a week, man. So we're just excited yeah, about that. Week. But um tonight we're gonna talk a little bit about Paul, the life of Paul, man. One of my favorite people in the Bible. Um, so we're gonna jump in. And just jump right in, man. Before we do, T, man, since you already talked, man, you might open us in prayer, man. Man, say less, my brother. I would love to. If y'all fellas bow, bow here with us real quick, man. Father, in the name of Jesus, we want to thank you for another opportunity. We thank you for this night right here that you chose, Father God. Everybody that is on this call, you, they were supposed to be here, Father God. It was your will for them to be on this call. So we pray tonight that you speak through the leader, speak to Brent, give him vision, Father God, give him understanding, Father God, speak his mind right now. Whatever his thought was, replace that with yours so we can hear your voice. We just want to change. We want a seed to be planted. So speak to the hearts of us, Father God. We pray that you block all distractions from our minds right now. Anything that is not of you, clear it out, Father God. Allow your presence to be here and just speak through the brothers in a way that it keep us coming back to be fair for you so we're prepared to go forward. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 So listen, here's what I want us to think about tonight. Think about this big God, big God, small me. Okay, big God, small me. And the title for tonight is going to be bigger than my blindness. Okay, bigger than my blindness. So like I said, earlier, we're going we're gonna to talk about the, the, the life of Paul um, just briefly. And so we're going to pick up the story of Paul in the book of Acts, okay? And we're going to talk about spiritual blindness tonight. Um, so now, if, if you're familiar with the book of Acts, the book of Acts, so this is post-Jesus, right? Jesus has, you know, went on, he's ascended to heaven, and um, so he left. So at the beginning of Acts, we had the upper room experience, um, you know, where the fire from heaven starts speaking in tongues, and we have the, the development and the movement of Christianity. So Christianity started to grow and we started to have um, churches being built and all this was happening in Jerusalem, right? And this is where they are right now. This is, they're in Jerusalem and we have Paul, or at the time his name was Saul, right? Cause he hadn't had his conversion moment. So, um, so we have Saul who during this time was a Christian killer, okay? So, so he, he, he didn't, believe in Jesus. So he was crucifying Christians. He was trying to find them. He was searching for them because Paul had spiritual blindness. Okay. So what I want you to, to imagine for a second, I, I want you to imagine if you want to close your eyes, go for it. But I want you to imagine just being blind for a second. Okay. Cause I want us to get this idea of blindness. So imagine that you can't see. Okay. You cannot see not, not that you don't see, like I, I don't I don't see what's over there. I, not, not don't, 
And not that you won't see, because right now, you know, we're choosing not to see in this imagination, but that you can't see, okay? Just imagine having that physical disability of not being able to see, right? And that's, that's the mindset of spiritual blindness. Um, so if you, you wouldn't walk up to someone who's in a wheelchair, right? Who, who maybe they were born with a, the, you know, didn't have the ability to use their limbs or legs and, and never was able to walk. You wouldn't walk up to them in a wheelchair, push them out the wheelchair, say, man, get up and walk, right? We, we wouldn't be, because we would have empathy for that person, right? Because they were born in that condition, right? So we call those people uh, physical disability, right? Now, the same thing when someone has a learning disability, and they're not able to comprehend from birth, right? And then we, we call those people in those situations, they have mental disability, right? The same thing is where we're at with spiritual because all of us, prior to coming to Christ, all of us are spiritually disabled, right? Because we, we, we do not have the ability to, to see, right? It's, it's not that we don't, and it's not that we won't see, it's that we physically and we're spiritually, we cannot see. We cannot see. So we're going to look at, um, so in John, right? Um, in John chapter six, the Bible talks about Jesus says that no man can come to the father except through me, right? And he talks about he has to be received and he has to have that movement from Christ, right? So in that state of being spiritually disabled, or in, in Paul's case, spiritually blind, no one can be removed from that state unless they have a, an interaction or an intervention or a moment with Christ, right? Because someone who is spiritually disabled, which is where everyone is before Christ, like if, if they never have that moment with Christ, they're gonna end up where spiritually disabled people end up, right? In hell, right? Because they're not gonna get that conversion moment. They're not gonna get that, from Christ, because we were all born into that state. Um, and so these people are, you know, even if someone like myself, right, if, if any of us were to go to someone in this, in this state and, and try to witness to them, try to spread the gospel to them, they still have to receive that from Christ, because I can lead them, we can all lead them to Christ, but until they receive Jesus, they're still going to be spiritually disabled. And, and they're not going to be able to see. And that's the state that Paul was in right here. So we pick up the story of Paul in the book of Acts chapter um, chapter 9. But we're going to start, and I'll kind of walk you through where, where he is um, prior to, to chapter 9. So in chapter 7, so remember the, the movement of the church, the Christianity was starting to grow. And Saul, right, his name wasn't Paul yet. Saul was crucifying Christians, right? Trying to find Christians, trying to kill Christians because he did not and, and, and could not see, right? He didn't see the movement of Christ because he was spiritually blind. And so we have, um, we, we have people preaching and, um, and Stephen. Stephen is, is, he just gave a message. He, he had just preached and Paul and his army and the people who were with, with Paul, they took that moment to stone Stephen to death for preaching, right? For preaching this Christianity religion, like, cause they didn't believe in this, right? So they stoned Stephen to death. And in chapter eight, um, Paul talks about how he agreed with that, right? Like that, that's what, that should have happened to Stephen. 
because it, it wasn't that Paul didn't see. It, it, it wasn't that he, he couldn't see. Is that he can't see. He, he couldn't see what was going on. He couldn't see the movement of Christ because he was still in a state of being spiritually blind. So we pick up, we pick up the story of, of, of Paul in, in chapter 9. And in chapter 9, right after this stoning of Stephen, all the Christians fled from Jerusalem, right? Because they, they fear for their life because Paul or Saul at the time and all the people who were with Saul were, were searching for Christians. They were dragging them out of their house. They were arresting them and they were trying to persecute these Christians. And so they all fled, right? And, and some fled, you know, east, west, north, south. They fled wherever they could. And a lot of them ended up in Damascus. Right, which is about 150 miles away from Jerusalem. So Paul, when he found this out, was like, man, I gotta find them wherever they're at. I'm gonna find these jokers because they're trying to get away with this. Uh -uh, I'm, I'm, I need to kill these people. So he went to the priest at the time and got the priest to sign an ordinance. And the ordinance was simply saying that it had a list of everybody who was part of Christianity and, and all the people who he was looking for. So TP, good to have you on, brother. Um, before, we, before we jump in chapter 9, I want to read you 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Um, and it's, it's chapter 4, verse, verse 3. Uh, and so yeah. if, if you remember when I, when I talked about if, if I were to, to go up to someone who's spiritually disabled, right, someone who has not received Christ yet, if I go up to them and, and they never receive Christ, that spiritually disabled person will end up where spiritually disabled people will go, right? So 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3 says, but even if the gospel is veiled, right? So even if the gospel is, is shared, even if it's spread, even if it's revealed, even if the gospel is veiled, it's veiled to those who are perishing, right? Because these people are going to perish. These people are going to end up going where spiritually disabled people go. So unless they receive something from Christ, right? So chapter uh, verse 3 says, but the gospel is veiled, those people who are perishing, and, and verse 4, whose minds, this is the key part of this, of this section, whose minds, the God of this age, the God of the world, Satan, the devil, right? God of this world, God of this age, whose mind he has blinded, right? So the devil is blinding the mind, right there in verse 4, it says the devil is blinding their mind so they're not able to see right and, and again it's not that they don't see right because because we, we we know christ we know god but and, and we see these spiritual things and, and we know the goodness of him right but these people it's not that they don't it's not that they won't they they physically they spiritually cannot see they can't see because the devil has blinded their mind and he's blinded the things of god right and so when we go back to Paul in this situation, right? So Paul is at a state where he just went to the priest to go to Damascus and to kill these people. And so he was going to go 150 miles to Damascus on a donkey. Look, didn't have a train, didn't have a bus, didn't have a flight. He had to walk to Damascus. You know how mad, how hell-bent he had to be to, to want to walk all the way to Damascus <laughs> to go and kill yeah. these Christians, right? Because he, 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 he was in a state to where he just believed in what he thought, right? Because he was spiritually blind. And, and it wasn't him. It wasn't his fault. He, he just did not know what was going on, right? So, and, and the thing about 
the, the, the thing about people in this state, right? When we talk about, early we talked about physical disability, mental disability, this is the same exact concept. We have empathy for people who have physical disability. We have empathy for people who have um, mental disabilities, right? We treat, I don't mean we treat them different, but we have empathy for this situation. We should have the same empathy for people of the world who are spiritually disabled, spiritually blind, because we may know some coworkers, and I want you to take a second right now and just to think about a couple people in your mind you may work with, you may interact with on a daily basis that, that are just are in a state of not knowing who Christ is, right? And they are spiritually disabled. How do we treat that person, right? Like, because it's, it's they're not who you see and, and who's acting on the inside of them is not who they are, right? It's not that they don't, it's not that they won't, they can't. They, they can't see what's going on, right? And we treat them sometimes, we get mad at those people, right? Man, what, man I can't stand that dude, man. He he this, that, he, he whatever. Or man, I, you get frustrated with those people. You get mad at those people, you get frustrated with those people. And so I want you to think about someone right now who's spiritually in that situation, right? Who's spiritually blind, who doesn't understand who Christ is and who doesn't know, right? How are we treating that person? Because in, in, instead of giving them anger, we've got to give them compassion, right? And instead of frustration, you know, we, we've got to give them patience, right? Because that's what Christ would do, right? And we're called to be Christ-like. So how are we treating those people, right? Because it's, they've got to have an intervention and, and God's got to intervene on their behalf. We can share the gospel, but until they receive and until they receive something from God, they're not going to get that conversion, right? Um, so continuing on with chapter four in Second Corinthians, going to verse five. Um, and this is just, again, what I was just saying, for we do not preach ourselves, right? It's, it's not us, right? We're, we're, we're vessels being used by Christ. But Christ, Christ Jesus, the Lord, and ourselves, we're the bond slaves for Jesus' sake, right? So we're doing this for the sake of Jesus. Verse 6, for it is the God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our heart to give the light to the knowledge of the glory of Jesus in the face of Jesus Christ. So God once he shines that light, right? Once he he shines in the darks of who they are, that is when they can be received and moved because it's not us, right? Remember we talked about earlier, big God, small me. I, I'm the small part. God has to be the big part. God has to do his part, right? Um, so getting to chapter nine right here. So this is the this is the the meat of the message here. And this is the verses that we're gonna look at tonight. So remember, Paul's on the way to Damascus, right? He he's trying to find these Christians. And he's trying to figure out, you know, how can I get to these people, right? And, th and this is the first thought of tonight, right? We've got three thoughts. It's the first one is there, there's no one who is too lost that God can't find them, right? No one, no, no situation, right? We talk about, I want you to think about a couple people who are in a spiritual disabled position, whatever. There's no one that's too lost that cannot be found by God, right? So we have Paul, Saul at the time, on the way to Damascus, right? And we pick it up right here in verse three. So again, verse one through one and two, he, he, got, the, he got this petition from the priest. He's on the way to Damascus, 150 miles. He walked, rode a donkey, whatever he did, in just furious state, right? So he gets there. As he journeyed, verse three, as he journeyed, he came near Damascus and suddenly, Suddenly, because it happened suddenly, suddenly a light shone from heaven and Paul saw at the time, fell to his knees and saw the light, right? 
And he said, Saul, and this is Jesus, right? Or this is God talking to Saul, right? Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Right? So he, he didn't say, Saul, Saul, why, why are you why are you persecuting Stephen? What why are you treating Peter like that? Why are you treating all these other people? Why are you treating Susie and, and Jim? Why are you dragging them out their house? Why are you persecuting them? He didn't say that. He said, Why are you persecuting me? Because we are Christians, we are Christ-like. So what happens to the people of the faith? What happens to us when people try to do things to us? They're not harming us, right? They're persecuting the God who's on the inside of us, right? So when our faith is challenged, they're persecuting him, right? Um, and above says the Bible says, touch not my knowing, do my prophets no harm, right? Because they are they are unknowingly harming the God on the inside, right? So they're persecuting him. So he said to Saul, Saul, so why are you persecuting me? Are you doing this to me? Right. And then Saul says, Who who are you, Lord? Right? I mean, clearly he knew he was Lord, right? And, and he said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. It is hard. You know, he talks about you, you know, you're, you're kicking against the, the Christianity. And, you know, we hear right there, you know, why are you persecuting me? And we talked about how when bad things are done to Christians, they're doing it to Jesus, right? Two things can be true at once. The same thing the Bible talks about in Matthew, God talks about, you know, when, when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me water. When I was cold, you gave me, or when I was naked, you gave me clothes. You know, when I was sick, you came and visited me. And, and the disciples responded, what do you mean, Jesus? You were never sick. You, you were never naked. You were never you know when did we do that and he said when you do it to the least of them you have done it to me right and so when when we do good things and we do kind of things to others it's, it's exactly the same thing as us doing for god to jesus right and to god right and so here we have paul who was down his knees right was broken right there and was to the point to where he's crying out to god now because fear and trembling verse six says that he was trembling and astonished and said lord do what you want to me. Listen, okay, fine. You got me. You got me here. I know you're going to kill me. You're going to kill me now. I, I, I've been killing all your people. You're going to kill me, right? First thought was you can never be too lost to not be found by Jesus. The second thing, you can never be too hard to not be broken by God, mm -hmm. right? And here we have Paul who was so hard killing all these people and doing all these things. And you thought, man, listen, that's a, that's a tough joker. I, ain't nobody cross him. And God broke him down right to his knees right there, right? So you can never be too lost. You can never be too broken to not be to be, to be um, broken by God, right? Or too hard to be broken by God. And mm -hmm. so now we have Paul or Saul in his state being, um, because he saw the bright light, right? The light shine on, on his light or on, on Saul at the time. And he was blinded physically now. Right. He was blinded for three days, physically blind. And we talked about the spiritual blindness. Now he has the spiritual awakening and he has that moment, that Damascus moment to where now he now he knows who God is. Right? He, he's been exposed and he had that intervention from God. So now he's no longer spiritually blind. Now he physically has to live out the things and the way he was acting before. And so God could have did this to him a mile outside of Jerusalem. But he made him walk all 150 miles and did it when he got to Damascus, right? He made him go all the way. And once he got to Damascus, um, that's when we enter in um, Ananias, right? Ananias is a 
servant or a, a prophet that's used by God in, in this situation, right? Um, but before we get to Ananias, I want you to think about, again, I, I keep thinking about these people, right? Who is this spiritually blind? Who is this spiritually in this situation, right? Because there's no one that's not in a, in a point that God can't turn them around, right? So I want us to keep imagining that person. Um, so here we have Ananias, right? Ananias had, had fled, and he all these Christians are fleeing, and they're all in Damascus. Ananias is in, in Damascus, and God interacts with him, chapter 9, verse 10, and Ananias has a vision. And Ananias says, says to God, here I am, Lord. Whatever you need, here I am. I'm your servant. Whatever you need. And so, and so God says to him, arise and go to the street, call straight. Okay, cool. I can go to the street. Yeah, you know, Ananias, I'm, I'm from Damascus. I know the street. Yeah, I'll go. What else, God? And then there you, um, and then go to Judas's house. Judas, all right, cool. I can go to Judas' house. I know Judas. That's my friend. I go to Judas' house. Street, go to the street, call straight. Cool, go to Judas' house. No problem. And then he says, you'll find somebody from Taurus. Oh, I know a lot of people from Taurus. Cool. I can't wait to meet new people. And then he says, hey, the guy's name is Saul. Whoa. God, you got the wrong guy. No, 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 not me. Listen, you know who Saul is? Saul is killing Christians. You want me to go to the guy who's killing us? I can't do that. And, and he continues to tell him, go and see him because he lost his vision and he needs you to receive his sight. Because Paul was so evil, right? So he was, he was first, he was lost, right? Then he got found. He was, he was hard, hard guy. Then he got broken down. And, and the last thing about him and the last thought of the day is there's no one too evil that God can't save them, right? Doesn't matter what they've done before. Doesn't matter what, what, what they, they used to do. It doesn't matter. The only people who think about what people used to do is us, right? We hold these people accountable and we try to hold people to their past but Saul had his conversion moment, right? And he got his name changed to Paul in this situation. So Ananias goes to him, and we're going to breeze through the rest of this, man. But he goes to him, and, and you know, and, and he tells him, hey, listen, you know, he was bold enough. Ananias went anyway, was bold enough to go to Paul and, and deal with God told him to do. And Paul received, his scales were broken off his, his eyes, and Paul received his sight again, right? And I, I just want to read verse 20. And then we'll, we'll end it there. Verse 20 says, immediately, not a couple weeks later, not a month later, immediately he preached, the, the, uh, he went and preached for Christ in the synagogues and he told everybody that he is the son of God, right? He, he immediately, when he received his sight and was able to see again, he went and was a full-blown Christian and a crusader for Christ from that moment. And we know Paul to be the Paul, this post- the master's experience Paul and the life that Paul he wrote half the New Testament all the stuff in here is, is because of Paul's conversion moment right and so it doesn't matter how lost you are you can be found it doesn't matter how hard you are God can break you down it doesn't matter how evil that person is that you're thinking about God can still yes, save sir. them in their in their moment so yes, we got to think about a story of Paul man the last thing I want us to to, to hear is a, a, a quick story I may have shared this before but John Newton is the guy's name right um, John Newton, and he was born in, I think it's like South Africa, or, or um, and he was born in a Christian home, Christian parents, and had a moment where he just fled, right? He fled out, and he, and this is, you know, early, early, um, uh, like night, or, or excuse me, 1800s, and he fled, and got on a, on a ship, and was, got, and was said, I'm just gonna work on a ship. As a teenager, he fled, and ended up going on a ship, and getting sold into slavery, right? Tried to, try to run away from home, got sold into slavery, ended up being 
um, sold into slavery and got exposed to all kinds of things as a slave, finally ran away and got back on a ship. And from there, he lived his life out on a ship. And he stayed there and lived the most perverse life, drinking and doing all these things, harling with all these women. And they would, when they would go to shore, they would go to brothels and do all these things. And he would go back to the ship and do it all over from city to city to city. That's, that's what, and he was the captain of the ship. And that's what he allowed on his ship. And so this is the life that he, he, he was living. And so he had a moment to where the waves was crashing and he thought that he was going to die, right? And we all hear this. People have this story. All of a sudden, they become a Christian, right? He calls out to God and says, God, if you save me, you save me. I'll stop everything I'm doing. If you do it, God, save me, save me. And, and God did. God saved him. And he saved him in his situation. And from that moment, he became a full-fledged crusader and Christian and went back to his homeland and started churches, started witnessing and completely dropped his his what he was doing before and he's most known for he wrote the song amazing grace he wrote that song and we all heard that song amazing grace how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me he was a wretch the guy was in a bad situation i once was lost but now found i once was blind you gonna start somebody now i see so he was blind in this situation. He was blind before he knew who God was. He was blind because he was blinded by the God of this world. And that's the situation that the people that we thought about earlier are in. And, and we have to have compassion for these people. And we have to be advocates, advocates and say, listen, they, this is not who they are, right? And it's not that they, they, they don't see. It's not that they won't see. They just, they just can't see what's going on, right? They can't see until God opens them up. Right. So our, our challenge is to continue to pray for those people who are in that spiritual situation. And we know people then in that situation. Our, our job is to show that compassion and show Christ to them. Right. That's our job. This by his. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you first and foremost for saving us, for saving a wretch like us, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that we were once lost and we're now found, Lord, and you have removed the scales from our eyes, Lord, and we once were blind, but now we're able to see, Lord. Allow us to take that light and shine to other people, God. We thank you for the example that you continue to give us and the example that you, you showed us in, in your word, God. Thank you for allowing us to dissect and to dive into your word, Lord. We ask that you will just continue to put people in our forefront that we can minister and we can share the gospel too, God. We love you and we call your name blessed. It's in Jesus' name that we pray.